0: Well, now we turn to our scripture lesson for the sermon this morning, as we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, picking up where we left off, we'll begin chapter 3 this week. 1 Corinthians 3 verses 1 through 4 will be our lesson. This, of course, is the Word of God, as he inspired Paul to write, and being The inspired word of God is therefore without error, for God makes no errors. So let's attend with reverence to the reading of the holy word of the living God. 1 Corinthians 3 verses 1 through 4. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ... I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Thus ends the reading of God's holy word for us at this time. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in the sight of the Lord this morning. In chapter 2, Paul spoke, you might recall, of the Corinthian brethren and indeed all Christians as being people who are spiritual. That is, people who are of the Spirit. Christians are spiritual, they're of the Holy Spirit, and thus able to discern spiritual things. They believe the Gospel, they grow in the knowledge of godly things because they have been brought to life spiritually by God, the Holy Spirit, And are indwelt by Him. So uh, that term spiritual can apply to all of those things. Being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Being brought to life by Him. Having a spiritual life in and of itself. And that is the spiritual reality. That those who are spiritual, as Paul calls them, believe the gospel. And can grow in the knowledge and application of godly things. However, as we have made our way through 1 Corinthians thus far... We've also recognized that while we play no role in our justification, in our being counted righteous in God's courtroom judgment, as it were, we're uh, we play no role by His grace. We are saved through faith and not through any work. But also by that same grace which justifies us, we are being sanctified. There is an immediate sanctification, whereas uh, we're set apart from the world, counted as something different than the fallen world, which is coming under God's judgment, but we also receive what we call progressive sanctification. Over time, the Holy Spirit makes God's people more and more like Christ, more and more righteous. And that progressive sanctification also depends on God's grace, but unlike justification and even immediate sanctification, it involves our choices and actions. I make choices from day to day, you make choices from day to day, and sometimes we choose that which is against God's revealed will. And that isn't the Holy Spirit working within us to tell us to do that which God would not have us do. It's a grave error, in fact a heresy, that says that once you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, anything you want must be the will of God. There are people who teach such nonsense. That's not what the Bible teaches. We still have indwelling sin. And so in today's passage, Paul shows us how the choices of the one who is alive in Christ can either help or hinder our spiritual growth. And our main point will be this exhortation. Feed on the solid food in Christ, And we'll see what's meant here by solid food as we dig into this passage and some scriptures that help clarify it. And to do that, to feed on solid food in Christ, you must, number one, have consumed the milk of the gospel. Number two, you have to move beyond that milk to include solid food. Number three, you have to cease thinking as the fallen world thinks. And finally, number four, you have to leave behind behaviors that proceeded from your previous fallen nature. So before we get to that point of talking about feeding on the solid food, let's consider the problem that Paul is addressing here, and how he goes about addressing it. On the one hand, it's clear that his intended audience for the letter is made up of Christians. In chapter 2, verse 14, he contrasted the spiritual person with the natural man, a person who is incapable of discerning spiritual things because he is spiritually dead, and he tells the Corinthian brethren, you are spiritual. The word translated there as natural, we noted last time, was is psukikos in the Greek, uh, which uh, we saw before that term refers to the soul or the person of a human being. But in this context, one who is not alive, spiritually speaking. And so this is the kind of contrast that we find in Romans 8, verses 8 and 9. So then those who are of the flesh, Paul says in Romans 8, cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So notice the juxtaposition there of being in the flesh, in the fallen nature, or in the spirit. He says, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. So if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, if you're a true Christian... You are of the Spirit, you're not of the flesh. He says or he goes on saying, Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And so he's talking about people who don't have the Spirit of Christ, who are not Christ's possession, versus those who are. But on the other hand, here in 1 Corinthians 3, you'll notice by contrast that Paul addresses brethren who are babes in Christ. So again, he's talking to Christians. They've got a problem, but he's talking to people he understands are actually born again. They're babes, but they're born. Right? So while they were still spiritual infants, which is the problem that Paul wants to deal with, they should be beyond that now. They are nevertheless in Christ. Uh, they had been born of the Spirit, as Jesus says in John 3.3. 3. 3. Paul writes in verse 1 here, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. And So when he speaks here of being carnal, we're going to talk about the Greek terms that he uses there and, and flesh them out, no pun intended, uh, for uh, what we're talking about here. But he's talking to people who are not outside of God's people, but inside, as people who are babes in Christ. People who are living in the spirit, as it were. The word he uses there, which is translated here in the New King James Version as carnal, is particularly of note. Uh, In many later manuscripts, he uses the same word, or the same word appears in verse 1, as we find that's translated here as carnal in verse 3 as well. However, in uh, many of the older and well-attested manuscripts, it's a slightly different word has the same root but it's a little bit different and the the difference is telling Uh, while in verse three we find the greek word uh, sarkikos that sark part of it it means flesh right Uh, in verse one it's sarkinois it's from the the root sarkinos the difference of one letter in the greek but it's an important difference simon kistemacher Reformed commentator notes it's essentially a one-for-one one translation. The one, the verb or the the uh, the word that appears there in verse one, it's a one-for-one one translation to our English word fleshy, as opposed to fleshly, which is how we would translate the other word that appears in verse three. To be fleshy, as the word from verse one is accurately translated, is to have the actual qualities of flesh present. If you describe my body as fleshy, you're saying that I've got a lot of flesh. Uh, It's been used as a polite way of saying that someone is a bit chubby. They're overweight. Uh, With toddlers in our home, I have found that I don't get to have an evening snack until after they've gone to bed at night and I used to never eat after 7 o'clock in the evening and so a uh, consequence of eating later in the evening uh, closer to bedtime has made me in the last year or so more fleshy than I was before we had the girls and uh, it didn't take me long after getting married that I became a little more fleshy from my wife's good cooking uh, than I was before that in verse 1 Paul is acknowledging that Christians who are newly born of the Spirit still have a lot of the qualities of the fallen, sinful nature with them. They're fleshy. There's still that old, sinful self more present there. This side of heaven, such qualities are always going to remain with us. If read Romans 7. You'll see that that's Paul's description of his own struggle against sin, which still abides with him. and He's got this body of death, he says, with him that he needs to be delivered from. But the one who is born again is empowered by the Holy Spirit to, as Peter puts it, die unto sin and live unto righteousness. That's 1 Peter 2.24. Paul says here in verse 1 that when... The Corinthian brothers and sisters were newly born in Christ. They still had a lot of the qualities of the old, sinful, the fleshy self with them. So he fed them appropriately because they were infants with spiritual milk. The problem is that they have failed to move beyond that spiritual milk. And they've kept themselves, as it were, infants in Christ's it's good that they're in Christ. That's wonderful. But it's not good that they are still spiritual infants after all this time. They should have grown more by now. In verse 3 he says, For you are still carnal. And there he uses the related word, which is fleshy, or fleshly, excuse me. So we got, we've got got fleshy in verse 1. Here's fleshly here, if you will. They may be a bit less fleshy, less like their old spiritual dead selves, but they are still thinking and acting as if they were still their old spiritual dead selves in ways unbefitting of those who are in Christ, especially those who have been in Christ for several years. They are being fleshly. They have thereby stunted their own spiritual growth, as it were. They're still incapable of consuming spiritual solid food. Verse 2. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. So from Paul's rebuke here, we learn the exhortation, first of all, feed on the solid food in Christ. It is necessary that God's people get beyond the basic milk, We'll talk about what that is here in a minute, milk versus the the solid food. And we need to get beyond that and get into the deeper things. This should be the goal of every Christian. So, what then does Paul mean by solid food? He doesn't explicitly explain in this context, you'll notice. He just expects the Corinthian Christians to understand the metaphor here. But the implications are pretty clear. But if we, we want something more plain, we can look at Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. Incidentally, it's not entirely clear who wrote uh, the, letters, the letter to the Hebrews. Uh, the letter doesn't tell us, but the most likely candidate is Paul himself. Uh, but if it's not him or one of his immediate companions, another candidate that has been put forward is Apollos, who's also mentioned in this passage here. So that's what I find interesting. Hebrews 5, 12-14 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need the milk and not the solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. So there's our definition of milk there, right? Versus solid food. It's the first principles Of the oracles of God. Just the basic things, right? And it's able to be handled by those who are unskilled in the word of righteousness. Hebrews goes on, says, For he is a babe. Notice the similarity in language between Hebrews 5 here and 1 Corinthians 4. And then it goes on, But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That's going to be important, the understanding of by reason of use. So how do you get beyond the milk and into the solid food? You try the solid food. Right? By reason of use, you get to get to develop more and more an appetite for these deeper things. So milk is the first principles of the oracles of God, the most basic teachings of Scripture, the basic gospel and the, the teachings that go right along with it. That everybody needs to know as they're coming uh, to be uh, living as as a part of God's covenant people. You know that we need to go to church, that we need uh, to be praying, that we need to be getting in the Word. Solid food is that which takes skill, skill which comes by reason of use, so by practice in the Word of righteousness. So delving ever more deeply into God's word. It might be helpful to think of John's words in 1 John 2, 12-14. He says, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. So your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you fathers because you have known him. He's talking about God who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you little children because you have known the father. I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Notice that John speaks basically of three stages, if you will, of spiritual development. There's the spiritual Little child who knows God as father, knows God's forgiveness of sins in Christ, and that's about it. There are spiritual youths, young men, as it's translated there, uh, who have a, a growing knowledge of God's word, and which is abiding in them, they've internalized it, and they are thus able to contend against wickedness and overcome it. Not just wickedness within themselves, but Around them. They're able to contend for the faith once delivered for all the saints. And there are spiritual fathers, the older ones, the more spiritually mature who know God in a deeper sense for who he truly is. I once heard it uh, explained like this that the person who gets to that point of life where uh, God is, is on your mind all the time. The first thing you think when you wake up in the morning is, what are we doing today, God? And and the the Lord is with you through the whole day and in your thoughts. And you don't do much of anything without consideration for the Lord. And uh, loving Him more and more deeply for who He truly is. And that comes to the man or woman who has grown and grown and grown in uh, knowledge and wise application of God's Word. So the, the God that you're, Talking to when you wake up in the morning and say, What are we doing today, God? Isn't just one of your own imagining, but the Lord who is revealed in Scripture. Paul, here in 1 Corinthians 3, rebukes the Corinthian Christians for getting stuck at an early stage of development. They've gotten stuck at that first stage, and they've never grown beyond it. They're still spiritual infants. They are as yet incapable of getting beyond the milk of the gospel basics because they haven't developed their spiritual discernment by reason of use as Hebrews 5.14 says. They're returning to fleshly ways of thinking, to behaviors consistent with the old fallen sinful self because they haven't gotten deeper and grown. Verse 3 For you are still carnal, fleshly for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Or notice that mere is just in the is in italics there in your New King James. It's, are you not behaving like men? So he's juxtaposing mankind that's fallen from those who are redeemed, and he's saying you're acting more like fallen mankind than you're acting like God's redeemed people. So they're behaving like human beings who have not been changed by Christ. And why are they? not behaving as they ought because they're not getting beyond just the basics. They're not getting deeper into God's word. Paul has only to look at the factions in the congregation for evidence of this. Verse 4 for when one says I am of Paul and another I am of Apollos are you not carnal? Are you not fleshly? Learn from the example of the Corinthians what not to do. This is a negative example for us. I think I Use the illustration before of, uh, there used to be a television show. I don't maybe it's still on. As Kim and I don't have cable or satellite or anything, but I remember many years ago seeing a, a program called "What Not to Wear" was on the television, where people were uh, taught what worked well for their body type and things like that in terms of clothing uh, by showing them. Uh, here's what you're wor- wearing now is not working, and here's why. <laughs> and so they would start with what not to wear, and then show people uh, what worked well with their body type and that sort of thing. We'll learn similarly from the example of the Corinthians here, what not to do. So rather, do the opposite, be feeding on the solid food in Christ. Well, how do you do that? Well, Paul, in offering negative examples here, examples of what not to do, points us in the direction of what to do. Number one, to feed on the solid food, you must first have consumed the milk of the gospel. Uh, So the unbeliever who has never consumed that milk cannot consume the solid food, uh, for he has never been born of the Spirit. Verses 1 and 2, again, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, so that's good, and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able. So it was good that they received that milk from Paul, but now they need to be able to receive something deeper. Paul fed them with spiritual milk when they were spiritual infants. Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. When our babies were newborns when we first got them placed in our home uh, for many months they consumed only uh, quote-unquote milk it was actually formula Uh, had they been our biological children perhaps my wife would have been able to breastfeed them but uh, we had to give them formula and they ate that formula exclusively for several months but we didn't one day just stop giving them the formula and start giving them solid food right it was a gradual transition wasn't it so peter's telling us there we have to still be consuming that spiritual milk we need to come back to it from time to time we transitioned them from to baby foods and then more and more solid foods while they still drank the formula as well and they're long past the formula but they still have milk and they can't quite eat yet everything that we eat as adults. Similar to that kind of development, one who is born of the Spirit has to consume the spiritual milk almost exclusively at first. And they need the most basic teachings about uh, what Christ has done and what He expects of us. You know, about attending worship, about serving Jesus in life in general. And while you begin to to Uh, transition to the uh, more solid foods of the deeper teachings of Scripture, you'll need from time to time still to come back, as Peter says, to that pure milk. Because if you forget that, then all of the deep studies of Scripture aren't going to make any difference. So for your spiritual life and growth, you have to have consumed that spiritual milk and be going back to it from time to time, that basic teaching of the Gospel but secondly then, number two, to feed on solid food, you have to be moving beyond those things. So you have to first have had the spiritual milk, but you need to be ready to move beyond those basic biblical teachings. Not in the sense of leaving them behind altogether, but in the sense of adding things to your plate. It's rather like expanding a child's palate. You know, If you don't teach them to try new foods, you'll never develop a taste for anything beyond pizza and chicken nuggets. you know. And we all know those kids who maybe they're a little bit older and they've just never gotten beyond pizza and chicken nuggets because they never really expanded their palate. Remember Hebrews 5.14 says, By reason of use. That's how you grow in this ability to eat the solid food. Get deeper into the Word. So how how do you get beyond the milk and get... Uh, into the solid food, getting deeper in the word. Well, you try it, right? How do you uh, how do you develop a taste for a new food? You have to try it first. Otherwise, you'll remain a spiritual infant. What would happen to a little child if, when they started to need to be able to eat solid food, you were just giving them milk? Well, they would be malnourished and they wouldn't grow properly. So if you are beyond that spiritual milk, if you're, you're getting more and more solid food, keep growing in that. Keep trying new things, as it were, in God's Word. Keep getting deeper and deeper into the Word of God. And make sure that that's what you're putting on your plate and not other ideas from outside of the Word. Make sure you're getting God's Word on your plate. This is why it's important to have a well-trained, well-educated pastor <coughs> for churches so that they can help us uh, it's like having the chef who helps you understand what you need on your plate and what things go well together. That's your basic local resource for helping you get deeper into the Word. But the point isn't so that a pastor can just tell you what God's Word means. So he can, It's so he can help you have the tools so you can get more deeply into God's Word. Uh, we don't all have to be skilled with Hebrew and Greek, though. But we can all be reading the word of God, the simple reading of the Bible in a good translation over and over uh, will give you a deeper knowledge of its content. Reading it straight through uh, is so good because it, it uh, gives you an understanding of how everything fits together. And The more times you do that, the more times you see that, how things fit together. The internal consistency of God's word. You don't have to follow a reading plan that gets you through the Bible in a year. Just get through the Bible. And just start and keep going and get through it. That gets to the solid food of verse 2. Move beyond the basic milk of the gospel and transition into consuming more and more of the solid food of the deeper things that are contained in Scripture. Number 3 then, cease thinking as the fallen world thinks. So if you want to be consuming the fall, the uh, solid food, you have to start stop thinking as the fallen world thinks. And of course, this, this is uh, self-reproducing, as it were. So the more you're getting into God's word, the more you will learn to think biblically. And the more you think biblically, the more uh, you will cease thinking as the fallen world thinks. And the more you cease thinking as the fallen world thinks, the more you will think biblically. Verse 3, For you are still carnal, So here's what not to do, right? For you are still carnal, Paul says. And then he speaks of examples of how they're still carnal, envy, strife, divisions, which are coming from their way of thinking. Thinking like a fallen man or woman makes it easier to envy, to bicker, to be divisive. Just look at how people in the world tend to treat one another. Rather as Paul says in Romans 12 2 we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have a new mind that God has renewed and be transformed by that. Cease thinking as the fallen world thinks. Related to that then is number four leave behind the behaviors that proceed from your fallenness. Again Verses three and four. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, you are are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, "I am of Paul," and another, "I am of Apollos," are you not carnal? Are you not fleshly? Think about Galatians five nineteen through twenty six. Now the works of the flesh are evident. So here Paul is going to list some things that are that come from acting like our old fallen selves. Which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. And and the like tells us there could be a lot more in this list. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he tells us how you act and live as one who is in the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. God is encouraging us to do these things. Not the things that are against His law, but the things that that His law are for. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness self-control Paul says and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires so you instead of following your fleshly desires you put that to death if we live in the spirit he says let us also walk in the spirit so if I'm alive in Christ why don't don't I act like it Paul's saying let us not become conceited he says provoking one another envying one another Notice that the practices that we've talked about here today that help us to get to the solid food, they're mutually supportive. As you get deeper into God's word, you will inevitably be returning often to the milk of the gospel. You can't miss it. It's a thread throughout the scriptures. The first principles are, are there constantly over and over again. And as you grow In your knowledge of those things, of those first principles, you'll get to things that are deeper. You'll be more and more able to apply what is being taught in scripture wisely in your life. As you do that, you'll become more righteous in thought, word, and deed, which in turn will whet your appetite for more and more of the solid food, and you'll get even deeper into God's word. So Christ exhorts you here, feed on the solid food in Christ. Consume the milk of the gospel, but also expand your palate. Develop your taste for God's word beyond those basics. Not the poison of false religions and vain philosophies, be careful. But the deeper teachings of scripture, about God's nature, about history, about human nature, redeemed and unredeemed, about prayer and so on and on and on, all the many things that Scripture teaches you about. As you do that, you'll be more and more able, as John puts it, to overcome the wicked one. You'll become a spiritual young man, a spiritual youth who is strong and able to overcome wickedness in yourself and in the world around you. Eventually, you'll have a deep, deep love for God for who he truly is because you will know him deeply and you'll get to be like that person I mentioned earlier who just has God in his or her thoughts all day long and not a God of our imagining but the God who truly has revealed himself in scripture eventually you will get to a point where we'll be perfect this side of heaven Where God, though, is dominating all that you think and say and do. Cease, therefore, thinking as the fallen world thinks. Rather, think biblically. And leave behind those old behaviors that come from your fallenness. And rather than that, embrace those things which are consistent with your new identity in Christ. Feed on the solid food in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you give us a written word whereby we can feed on that solid food. We know that these things, as we saw before, are spiritually discerned, and so uh, you cannot grow in the life of Christ except that you be alive in Christ already. We pray that you would help us to consume that milk of the gospel as we return to it, but also to be getting deeper and consuming the solid food in Christ that we would be leaving behind all that is dishonoring to you, and more and more know you and love you for who you are, that we might grow ever in love and service to you as we feed on that solid food in Christ Jesus. And we pray this in His name. Amen.